ChatGPT has just passed freshman year at Harvard, and its GPA is probably going to surprise you. Today on the podcast, we're talking about an experiment that was recently done by a freshman at Harvard, uh, where she essentially got GPT-4 um, to write essays for her. And uh, I, it was more of an experiment. You know, she, uh, she didn't actually just pass this all off as herself. But I think its GPA was pretty surprising because it actually managed to get a 3.57 GPA, um, which is totally passable. And I think it really highlights uh, what is going on in the education system and the fact that, you know, you really could use ChatGPT um, to write your essays in college and what the impact of that is. So let's dive into it on the podcast today. I think um, this experiment was done by a freshman named Maya Bodnick, and I think her experiment really illustrates how AI like ChatGPT is going to disrupt the conventional learning and kind of evaluation mechanisms at universities. And then more specifically, I think this is going to potentially influence, you know, social sciences and humanities education, which traditionally rely really heavily on take-home writing assignments for student assessments. Um, you know, I can remember back to my days at college, I had classes where, you know, they would say, you have to go and write the entire essay in the testing center and you know sometimes it'd give you a, a few hours to do that um and you know so that's kind of an obvious solution if this was really a super integral part but i do think more broadly we may start um seeing that uh the, there is going to be an evolution in what assignments are in college and how we measure success and, and understand in education in general so in any case with this specific um test maya you know she had seven Harvard professors and teaching assistants who were asked to grade essays written by ChatGPT4. And of course, they were all involved and knew this was a study. But, um, and all of the all of the essays obviously were in response to prompts from their actual courses. So this was, you know, doing actual classes. And each essay was presented without telling if it was the actual author or if it was ChatGPT. So she said, you know, in the study, uh, you're going to be getting either an essay written by ChatGPT or by me. You won't know. You got to grade it. Um, and that was kind of her attempt to get rid of the bias that they were just going to grade them all bad. But in all, in reality, every single one was written by GPT-4. Um, so the topics range from economics and politics to conflict resolution, Spanish, and literature. And they were really she was really trying to kind of test the AI's ability to handle a really broad range of subjects. Um, the AI-generated responses were submitted verbatim. So exactly what GPT-4 spit out is what she, uh, you know, submitted for the uh, reports and the only thing that she altered was um, a little bit of resequencing to meet the word count. You know, you know, Chat GPT GPT four only really gives you a seven hundred and fifty word response. So sometimes she would have multiple questions um, to get a few paragraphs uh, longer or whatnot, and then she would just stick those together. But whatever it wrote, she didn't edit. She just gave it, you know, straight as it was. Chat GPT four really surprised everyone, I think, by not only passing the courses but it actually achieved some pretty impressive grades and some professors and tas i think this is actually kind of funny um they praised the ai as quote beautifully written or well articulated and i'm not sure if they knew this was gpt4 if they were like they thought oh this is probably by the actual person so they were just you know giving her good grades um but in any case it was written by gpt4 so some though did offer some criticism for it you know overly embellishing some things so I think while the AI seemed to do pretty well with style, the content of the essays received some more nuanced feedback. I think it received an A in American presidency and microeconomics based on its attention to detail and adherence to requirements. 
However, I think it's paper on Latin American politics and Spanish lacked uh, what, you know, quote unquote, sufficient analysis. So it got a B minus and a B on those. But I will say that none of its grades actually dipped below a B minus. I think on all of its papers, the grades were something like um, A, 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 A minus, B, B minus. And then I think it got one pass on one of its papers, one of the seven. So honestly, fairly, fairly good, um, all things considered. One thing that I think these results really do indicate is that AI like GPT-4 is likely going to achieve passing grades in most liberal arts courses at most universities. And I think given the model's really powerful performance, even if it might not, you know, get the top grades at universities with stricter grading systems, right, like Princeton or UC Berkeley, um, you know, someone could argue that, you know, it's not going to work at an Ivy League. Well, okay, it worked at Harvard, so that's pretty substantial as kind of, you know, the the name brand university so Princeton and UC Berkeley yeah maybe they'll be a little bit more strict but um with a little bit of editing and work like I think these essays can be an A plus essay at uh you know these are A essays on at uh most all universities and so I think that this is gonna no matter what you're definitely going to pass you're definitely going to graduate uh regardless of you know if your GPA was the most important for your specific degree so I will say though I think these results have you know, some deeper implications. I think, number one, they suggest a really forthcoming paradigm shift in the way the humanities and social sciences are taught. Up until now, while Google has obviously been a help, the internet has not really been a super effective tool for high-level plagiarism. It obviously, you know, fails to give good answers in to complex creative or personal prompts. And I think that this, you know, up until now, really required students to invest some sort of effort in finding uh, the material online and often, you know, mixed with their own writing and creating their own citations and whatnot. But I think in the era of ChatGPT, uh, this kind of changes the equation. So I think with its improved accuracy that we're now seeing with GPT-4, um, I think with its ability to answer any prompt specifically, I think this really generates a, uh, it, it well, it really is able to generate a full answer and it requires minimal editing from the student, right? That's, it's not like you have to go um, paragraph by paragraph, you really can get it to write a big, huge chunk. It pulls and ties everything together. And if you want it to be longer, you can prompt it for something longer. But you don't really have to adapt um, and be too creative because it is able to do that. It's able to have personal prompts. You know, the model has, yeah, some would argue the model has made cheating easier than ever. However, I think current AI detectors are also deeply flawed. So I think it really kind of brings us to a point where Obviously, ChatGPT can write a really impressive essay. It's really hard to get an essay uh, run through an AI detector to the point where OpenAI launched their own AI detector for like education, the education system pretty much, and they just shut it down because it wasn't actually able to work and it gave a high percentage of false positives. Um, and so in addition to that, a lot of AI detectors haven't really been widely adopted by educational institutions. And I think a big part of that is, you know, when you have a company like OpenAI who's obviously the one who invented ChatGPT, and if they can't even do it, it's hard to trust other companies. So I think all of these really make it much more challenging to catch students who might use AI to complete their assignments. And I think this is a really big problem that educators are grappling with at the moment. I think in light of some of these results, one of the really pressing questions is how to combat this new form of, um, you know, potential academic dishonesty, or do we just give up on that and decide this is the equivalent of uh, calculator for text and um, you just are allowed to use ChatGPT now to generate things 
And uh, it's now it's a question of like when you can and when you can't uh, use it. And in my personal opinion, um, I think that that is the direction this is going to have to go. Whether people like it or not or agree with it or not, that's the direction it's going to go. Because if it's impossible to detect and everyone uses it, there is no way you can actually really like there's nothing you can really do about it. So I think at that point you just have to decide it's like a calculator and you know, maybe some situations you have to go to the testing center and write a whole thing yourself to prove that you're capable of writing something well uh, thought out. But in other cases, I think they're just going to have to start evaluating how everything is done. You know, I even saw a funny meme recently where it was like, because of ChatGPT, my teacher said we all have to like write our essays from now on. And then he had, he like created a little robot with a pen in its hand that would copy his handwriting and write out his essay for him. So it's really, I mean, unless someone's watching you live which i mean perhaps a testing center or in class is possible um but especially with like online universities and stuff like that um, it's very very challenging i think to get around uh chat gpt entirely so anyways it's going to be really interesting to see what what happens there of course it's incredibly useful to have the experience of writing things out yourself and practicing using your brain. And I, I totally get that, but um, I think we are in different times and it's going to be interesting to see how people adapt to that. Um, I think because of this uh, and because, you know, of course, AI detectors aren't really working, I think educators are going to have to consider shifting from take-home essays to in-person assignments. That's going to be a big thing. I think this approach, well, it's obviously not without its limitations and trade-offs, I think it's going to help maintain some academic integrity if that's really important to your degree. That being said, though, right, like I remember in college having to write English papers that were super, super long, had a ton of citations. You know, you're reading a book and you're doing all this research on it to write this really in-depth paper. And if the only way that you can be tested on that is to do it in like a testing center over like you, you do have like a time limit, right? Like I worked on that paper for like a week, right? I had a lot of classes, I had to fit stuff in. Um, and so it's going to be interesting. Maybe we just, maybe it just moves to shorter papers or something. I'm not sure. So that's, it's going to be interesting. Definitely something people are grappling with. I think the implications also extend beyond kind of the classroom. I think if AI can replicate the academic work performed by students, it's not far-fetched to imagine, you know, a future where AI might take over jobs that involve similar kinds of tasks in the real world, right? Like, Obviously, people are saying, oh, no, how are we going to stop, like, students from using AI to write their papers? Like, that's, in my mind, less relevant to what is the what does that mean if AI really can write really good papers? Does that mean that journalists get replaced? Does that mean authors get replaced? Does that mean, you know, what, what does that kind of look like? And so I think this kind of underlines the pressing need for educators and policymakers to grapple with the implications of AI, not just for academic integrity, but really for the future of work and society as a whole. And, uh, you know, some people say, awesome, ban AI, get rid of it, it's going to take jobs. But then it's like, well, if we develop something that is able to do it better than humans, and, you know, there's always, of course, the debate of, well, what, why do we work? What is the importance of work? Um, should a human do it? And then, it, you know, there's a, the, a lot of people's counter argument, which is like, if it brings you joy, and that's what you love to do, even if a robot could do it better, maybe you want to keep doing that, right? And I think we see this in a lot of cases today and maybe this isn't something a lot of people have thought about but think of the fact that like if you go to a if you go to like a, a farmer's market or something um very popular where i currently live there's a ton of people who have hand witted or hand knitted wool sweaters and handmade soap and handmade uh, you know beeswax candles and all sorts of like you know like um 
handmade glass crafted um, ornaments and sculptures and all sorts of things like that. And I think it's really interesting because, of course, like those things have a very high value. People absolutely love them, but all of them could be mass manufactured by machines, right? Like soap, candles, knitting, sweaters, glass works. Like a lot of that can just be manufactured. All of that can be manufactured by machines. And so it's like, why do we buy it from a human? It's like, well, it has this like artisan and craftsman touch. And it makes me wonder if at some point we'll get there where it's like, we like journals that are, or like newspapers that are exclusively written by humans, but they're almost like this more artisan kind of touch, like indie, like vibe you get from them where it's like, if you just want like interesting information and it's super fast and it's super cheap and it's super relevant and it's got some good, you know, basic overviews of whatever, like AI could 100% take over a lot of newspapers that just are writing high level news. They're all aggregating from routers anyways and writing about whatever, you know, routers wrote about that morning. So I think there's there's a lot of, and maybe they could even have some special models built in that they can go and grab extra insights from places that no one else has uh, access to data and they, you know, tie in some new insights and stuff. So it's not just like regurgitated content. There's a lot of things that could happen. And so I think it's going to be really interesting to see where that goes. Um, you know, obviously this is interesting to me from a journalistic perspective as I cover the news every day. But I think ultimately this experiment that happened really paints a picture of the future of education in the AI era. I think it's a wake up call for educators, students, and institutions if they already didn't have that after testing out ChatGPT. Um, but I think it really kind of reassesses their practices and values in a very rapidly evolving digital landscape. I think that the rise of this kind of technology is going to redefine the dynamics of higher education. And I think it's going to really require us to kind of reimagine how we impart knowledge and, and assess understanding in a world where an AI model can pass college. So this is an area we'll definitely be following into the future. Very, very interesting and uh, a lot of incredible advancements happening live. Thank you for listening to today's podcast episode, breaking down how AI is impacting your industry. Today's episode is sponsored by AIbox, a no-code AI app builder and marketplace, which just launched a crowdfunding campaign. If you are interested in investing in a new AI startup, you can go to republic.com slash AI dash box. I'll leave a link in the show notes as well to learn more. The minimum investment is $150 and the maximum investment is $100,000. Until next time, have a fantastic day.